gets colder My eyes go thin as I get older Piece in pieces, bloody and bruised I feel so helpless and confused Cause I hear screaming on the left, yelling on the right I'm sitting in the middle trying to live my life Good afternoon. This is Evelyn Pringle. Welcome to Trish and Evie's Focus on the Facts. Today, Trish will start the show with the latest important world news from Israel, Syria, France, and North and South Korea. She will also discuss Trump's absence from the G20 meeting. Next, we're going to discuss the most protracted child sex trafficking case in U.S. legal history. It's been dragging out since 2005 when the investigation first began. The case involves Jeffrey Epstein, alleged to be one of the founding funders of the Clinton Foundation, who was prosecuted for pedophilia by the Department of Justice and in civil cases by some of the victims, which are still pending. This is a story of how Epstein, bolstered by unlimited funds and represented by a powerhouse legal team, was able to manipulate the criminal justice system and how his accusers believed they were betrayed by the prosecutors who pledged to protect them. Epstein was accused of assembling a large cult-like network of underage girls with the help of other young female recruiters to coerce into having sex acts at his mansion in Florida as often as three times a day. The Miami Herald also identified about 80 women who say they were molested or otherwise sexually abused by Epstein from 2001 to 2006. One of his victims, Virginia Roberts, claims that Epstein set up cameras throughout his homes and provided visitors with girls for sex as part of the blackmail scheme. Epstein specifically told me that the reason for him doing this was so they could owe him. They would be in his pocket and he would have something on him, Robert said in this affidavit. I understood him to mean that when someone was in his pocket, they owed him favors. Epstein is also suspected of trafficking minor girls, often from overseas, for sex parties at his other homes in Manhattan, New Mexico, and the Caribbean, FBI records and court records show. Not only would Epstein serve only 13 months in a county jail, but the non-prosecution agreements shut down an ongoing FBI probe into whether there were more victims and other powerful people who took part in Epstein's sex crimes. The pact required Epstein to plead guilty to two, to two prostitution charges in state court. Epstein and four of his accomplices named in the agreement received immunity from all federal criminal charges. But even more unusual, the deal included wording it granted immunity to any potential co-conspirators who were also involved in Epstein's crimes. These accomplices or participants were not identified in the agreement, leaving it open to interpretation whether it possibly referred to other influential people who were having sex with underage girls at Epstein's various homes or on his plane. The agreement also scuttled the federal probe into a possible international sex trafficking operation run by Epstein and a woman named Grislyn Maxwell, who often took part in the sexual abuse of the victims so Epstein could watch them. As part of the agreement, U.S. Attorney Alexander Acosta, now President Trump's Secretary of Labor, agreed to seal the agreement so that no one, not even Epstein's victims, would know the full extent of his crimes or who was involved and thereby averting any chance that the girls or anyone else might show up in court and try to derail it. Attorney Acosta in 2011 explained that he was unduly pressured by Epstein's heavy-hitting lawyers, including Jay Lakovowitz, Harvard professor Alan Dershowitz, 
Jack Goldberger, Roy Black, former U.S. Attorney Guy Lewis, Gerald Leftcourt, and Kenneth Starr, the former White House special prosecutor who investigated Bill Clinton's sexual liaisons with Monica Lewinsky. It was recently revealed that Epstein's sex crime case happened just as the country's subprime mortgage market collapsed, ushering in the 2008 global financial crisis. Records show that Epstein was a key federal witness in the criminal probe of two executives with Bear Stearns, the global investment brokerage that failed in 2008, who were accused of corporate security fraud. Epstein was one of the largest investors in the hedge fund managed by the executives who, who were later acquitted of any crimes. It is not known what role the case played in Epstein's plea negotiations, but people are saying that Mueller uh, granted him immunity because of, these, because of his involvement in this, in this case. U.S. justice system needs an overhaul, and Epstein's case might be the one to pave the way. For more than 11 years, several Epstein-related cases have continued in U.S. courts. Since 2007, multiple civil cases were filed. Epstein's criminal case implicated many high-profile personalities and international leaders in the field of politics, business, academia, and including British Prince Andrew. The DOJ agreement also settled the federal probe into a possible international sex trafficking ring run by Epstein. Now, finally, two civil lawsuits, one set for tomorrow, start tomorrow, could reveal more about Epstein's crimes. The December 4th case in Palm Beach County State Court involves Epstein and attorney Bradley Edwards, whom Epstein accused of legal misdeeds in representing several of Epstein's victims. The case is noteworthy because it will mark the first time that Epstein's victims will have their day in court, and several are scheduled to testify. Jury selection begins tomorrow. So after a criminal investigation that began in 2005, the victims of Epstein are still fighting a criminal justice system that failed to hold the wealthy, powerful men accountable for sex abuse. So we'll get on to that case today, but I'll bring Trish on now, and we'll start with world news, and then we'll move on to the Jeffrey Epstein case. Welcome aboard, Trish. Hi, Evelyn. It's good to be back. Hi. Uh, you, yes. The, you know, we're talking about um, Donald Trump, you know, and a lot of people still sort of holding out hope that he's going to drain the swamp. But, you know, much of the, the what you're talking about, can, you know, Trump has been shown to be a part of helping to cover up. And, um, you know, we don't see a lot happening in this administration to to work to prosecute it. And, you know, you mentioned Mueller as well. Um, one of the other things, too, is that, remember, Jeffrey Epstein, it turned out to be an FBI informant, too. So, right. you know, it's very frustrating to, as we learn more of these details. But as Trump continues to drop the ball here in um, the Mideast, you know, we have all these sanctions going on. These are unilateral sanctions by the U.S. against all of these nations, including China, Russia, Iran, North Korea, Cuba, Venezuela, Nicaragua. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. And, you know, it's really to the point where it's like, who are we not sanctioning? Um, but so Donald tell, Trump was scheduled. Tell, tell, tell the listeners a little about what these sanctions involve. What do they cut people off for? I mean, they say they're going after the governments, but it really hurts the people, doesn't it? Right. Right. No, that's an excellent point, Evelyn, because these are not I, the way sanctions are supposed to be used is to prevent a um, dictatorial government 
from being able to uh, terrorize its citizens. That's sort of the point. And so you would, when you apply sanctions, it would be like, okay, nobody is going to sell weapons to that country so that they can't um, brutalize those people. Well, the way the U.S. uses sanctions is to punish the people in order to force them to force a change in government that's more disposed to complying with U.S. demands. And so these sanctions are on that what the U.S. is trying to do is prevent anyone from doing trade with Iran, for example, and Venezuela, because they sell large amounts of oil and natural gas and their economies depend heavily on that. But what ends up happening is that um, the sanctions always go much further than that. And so food, medicine, and other necessities can't get in. And then the, the civilian population is put in jeopardy deliberately. And this is actually considered a war crime. But it's something that the U.S. does routinely. But it seems now with this latest round of um, unilateral sanctions by the U.S. against Iran, for example, much of Europe, Western Europe, depends heavily on that oil. And so um, and also with Russia for natural gas and so much so that they cannot afford to abide by these sanctions um, if their economies and the people are going to survive. So what's happening is that most of these countries that are normally considered our allies are ignoring the sanctions just for sheer, you know, reasons of survival. And um, as we've seen this latest escalation in uh, with Ukraine making the deliberate provocation against Russia and Russia responding by... Um, capturing some of the Ukrainian boats and uh, military, and then uh, Ukraine implement Poroshenko, who is a U.S.-backed fascist leader in Ukraine, right. implements military uh, martial law ahead of elections in which he's ex- he, his popularity is in the single digits, so he knew he was going to lose, and this was sort of a last gasp to um, save himself. Well, in response, Donald Trump canceled a meeting with uh, Vladimir Putin at the G20 um, conference, which is, you know, the top 20 economies around the nation get together and discuss trade and other um, important agenda items, which you know, as Donald Trump moves forward with these very isolationist policies, the U.S. is getting squeezed out left and right. And we see this on a number of different levels, not only at these meetings where Russia and China are making um, interesting alliances with, for example, Saudi Arabia, where Donald Trump, again, is being publicly critical of MDS, who is the crown prince, and um, and our hegemony over there is dependent on the alliance between the U.S., Saudi Arabia, and Israel. And that's all coming apart, and 
um, we'll, we're definitely on the losing end of that. So it really sets the stage for China and Russia to um, to overtake us very decisively on the global um, scene in terms of trade and economic dominance because they've got now a new currency and a financial clearinghouse system that they're offering to other nations who are trying to escape the economic terrorism of the U.S.'s practices. So as that's happening, uh, remember in, in Syria, Israel had taken um, control of the Golan Heights in Syria back in 1967, and it's never been um, legally recognized internationally. And right. very recently, Israel attempted to hold elections in the Golan Heights, and the Druze that are the native, the indigenous population there fought back. They do not want to be uh, annexed to Israel. And um, Damascus, Syria, condemned the elections, and now the U.N. just voted overwhelmingly to um, to declare the occupation of the Golan Heights by Israel as null and void. At the same time, Syria is making clear that it intends to recapture all of its land, Um, and that includes the Golan Heights, but that is particularly hotly disputed because of the oil there that Israel is now selling to Genie Energy, and Genie Energy is controlled by Rupert Murdoch. Jacob Rothschild, Larry Summers, Dick Cheney, you know, all the heavy hitters that you see pushing these wars. Well, meantime, uh, Russia um, shipped some F-300 anti-missile systems into Syria to help protect itself from attacks by Israel. And Israel all along has kept claiming that it's fighting terrorists and just fighting Iran in Syria, which has been all lies. And recently, um, Israel launched an attack, did not give proper notice to Russia what it was doing, which they had agreed on. And 15 Russian um, military personnel were killed. So these three S-300 systems um, are designed to prevent further future attacks. Well, it's been over a month now, Israel did attack just the other day. It's, the details are not available because Israel is denying that it happened, but there were three missiles um, and an Israeli jet, according to Syria uh, officials, that were struck by the anti-missile systems, and um, it was 100% uh, hit rate. So they caught all of the targets coming into Syria. But this this now really puts Israel in a very difficult position as Netanyahu is failing at home. The police uh, chiefs are recommending yet again that he and his wife be indicted on corruption charges. This is the third or fourth case that yeah, on what's which happening with that. I've I seen that headline yesterday. Are they going to go through with that? Are they going to arrest him and his wife? Well, you know, it, it it's interesting, Evelyn. I would have said no for sure, a year ago. But Netanyahu yeah. is extremely weak politically now at home. Remember, when Avigdor Lieberman resigned, he's the defense minister, he withdrew his party's 
support for the coalition behind that has kept Netanyahu in power. In addition, okay. Naftali Bennett, who's the F- education minister, um, has said that his party will withdraw its support from Netanyahu's coalition. These are far more extremist than um, even right. Netanyahu. So it's not because of, you know, they're righteous or anything, but they're, they, he just has no support um, at home at this point. So I, I think his wife just went on trial for another set of corruption charges. Um, you know, on the world stage, he's becoming extremely weak in the face of all of this censorship and, <clears throat> uh, you know, anti-BDS, um, yeah. you know, work that they're doing and the corruption. I mean, it's just the fact that the Israeli lobby controls you know, our government so extensively, the electronic intifada piece coming out and exposing, you know, these operatives in their own words um, for this illegal conduct. So um, I think it's possible that Netanyahu will be brought down by all of this, but I don't, you know, I don't imagine that what will replace him is any better. It just sort of sets it makes anything possible, at least, in addition to the fact that it weakens Saudi Arabia further because Israel is Saudi Arabia's only real ally in the region and vice versa. Israel has no other ally. And now, you know, oh, really? also at the U.N., there were all these other resolutions. There were six total passed, and most of which were about Palestine and um, opposition to Israel's moved in Jerusalem and in other ways to ethnically cleanse and um, oppress the Palestinians. So uh, he's very, very weak, and he's also losing now in Syria, which weakens him even further. So um, a large part of this, in, uh, the, the, the U.S. military and stuff attacking Syria, is to protect the Golan Heights for these greedy monsters. Yeah, exactly. And and the U.S. is sponsoring, the, protecting and training those terrorists. They are on the record. Right. And um, there are thousands of them now in Idlib that the U.S. is protecting that um, and the Syrian Arab army is trying to drive out. And, and in addition to that, over near the Golan Heights in the southwestern portion of Syria, um, the U.S has infiltrated a refugee camp with 6,500 terrorists so that Syria can't liberate those refugees from the refugee camp because the U.S. is blocking them with these terrorists that have infiltrated. I wonder how American listeners are liking this with our tax dollars, what they're doing to the world. Yeah, I think mo- mostly they don't Ugh. even realize, and you know, we just no, I don't, I don't think about do. it in community samples. Yeah, I, I, I think most people would be so disgusted, you know, were they to know. But we more and more learning every day. But you're right; it's just like, wow, you know, how can we just sit by and let this happen? We we can't. Right. And in France, you know, just moving on to another region, we have all these protests going on, and the focus point has been the gas tax. But the truth of the matter is these protests are against a, an oppressive, plutocratic system that is looting the working class blind across 
the board. And so right. now um, there's all these work shutdowns. These protests have been going on for more than a week now. They destroyed the Black Friday of retailers, you know, for the holidays, which was wonderful. The ambulance drivers have now um, protested. They, they do make a They organized in a single day. They managed to organize this ambulance um, protest, and they... They pushed the responsibility onto the hospitals. They notified them that the hospitals themselves would be responsible for the patients. And then um, Macron has been has fled France. You know, as all this is going on, he's on his way oh, back, and now is the, yeah. He went to some meetings, I think, in Brussels or something, and now he's trying to declare a state of emergency. And the military and police have now. Um, stood in solidarity with the French. They are opposing Macron oh, directly. Their public is calling for his resignation. And it's all, you know, it, it's a beautiful example that they're setting for the rest of us because the only way you get changed is to shut these systems down. And that's what France has done. Have to, have to. Yep. Yes, it's the only way. Is it getting violent over there in France? I haven't well, looked at it. I was the, counting on you to give us the, the uh, you know, the information on it, but I've seen headlines and stuff and pictures, and it looked like it was you know, violence over there. Is there violence over well, there now? Yes. And so what's happening with the yes. violence, though, Evelyn, and you know how this works. Initially, of course, police were uh, recorded, you know, tear gassing civilians, like from up close, brutalizing them, you know, older people, they were knocking to the ground and hitting. And so there was a lot of police violence. Then um, we saw things happen like uh, civilian protests that that included things like dumping a truck, uh, a truckload of manure at the French <laughs> financial offices, right? That was a, yeah. another escalation. What has happened since now seems to have been uh, paid operatives who have gone in there to start lighting things on fire and committing very serious acts of violence that now I've seen serious, serious injuries among civilians um, in the wake of this escalation, you know, their vehicles are being torched and things like that. But, uh, but what it appears to be to me is an infiltration by violent actors who are being put there for purposes of making it violent. So sure. it, it did not start out that way. And I did not see any evidence that the individuals who were involved in the protest or initially were conducting themselves in that way at all. Right. Well, no doubt Soros-funded terrorists, I call them, they bring into the country. Yeah. You know, they do They do here. You know, I said um, a couple of years ago when they were having these riots in Wisconsin, you know, I was watching the videos um, of there in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and I used to live in Milwaukee, you know, and what they did was they started this whole gas station on fire, and they, they started, and they started, um, burning up the cars outside of it and everything else and what they were doing. And then I was listening to um, people making the videos and there are people that live there and they're like, what's happening? Why are they doing this? This is the neighborhood we live in. Why are they burning right. up this convenience store and stuff? It wasn't them. It was Soros funded terrorists in there doing that. And what they really wanted yep. to do, I'm convinced was set that whole gas station on fire and it would destroy blocks of property. 
you know, but yep. it didn't take. That's they exactly start, right. You know, Evelyn. they started to get my mother. Yeah, that's yeah. Go ahead. Yep. My mother is in Charlottesville. She said the same thing that all those people that were there that day, you know, being violent. She's like, none of them were local. She's like, nobody knew, you know, right. they, they came in from out of nowhere. And the other piece of evidence that we have that this exact kind of thing does in fact occur is there was a Bell Pottinger, a British PR firm, was paid by the billionaire Gupta family to incite racial violence through these very methods in South Africa to move those white families off of land that the Guptas want to mine for gold. And, and this is a simple fact. Um, Bell Pottinger was kicked out of its industry trade group for taking this assignment, and the founder quit. So it's not speculation. It is, in fact, true, and that's proof positive that that's how these billionaires work. They, they conduct all kinds of terrorist operations in order to you know, get the chaos that they need in order for them to loot resources. And and that's what we sure. see here. And then in the mainstream media, the headlines are, they don't say nothing about that, that they're bringing in these terrorists. They say that the people are murdering, the black people are murdering white people to drive them off the land. Right, right. Well, that's the propaganda. You know. uh, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Just, so, okay, um, what about in Yemen? Uh, there was good news. I've seen headlines. Again, I didn't look at it because you, you're the great one at covering world news, but that uh, Trump's trying to call off the war in Yemen. you believe that? Well, Congress, so um, there was a U.N. motion to end the um, genocide in Yemen that, of course, the U.S. opposed. But then um, Congress uh, now has proposed a bill to defund um, the U.S.'s role in Yemen. So it is positive. It doesn't, you know, the bottom line is that genocide could not occur should the U.S. simply withdraw its military support. If we were to just stop helping them, the U.S. not only trained those pilots, the Saudi pilots, they refuel the jets and provide all the coordinates for those strikes. So every time a Saudi pilot fires a missile on a school bus or a maternity ward or a wedding, hospital. they got those yeah. coordinates, a hospital, um, they got those mm-hmm. coordinates from the U.S. military. The other thing is that those jets are, you know, U.S.-made jets that are airworthy maybe half of the time, and so they need constant maintenance. And right. two weeks, those planes would all be grounded. So we could stop that fucking genocide now. But, you know, and I, while I, I think it's positive that this is going through Congress and it allows the discussion to continue, again, nothing meaningful will happen until we are, we are preventing these organizations and institutions from functioning. Right, right. Because all these wars, we're funding them all. You know, all the money that we give to Israel and, and, and Saudi Arabia, and all, we're funding the wars. These are just proxy wars. We're conducting them. They're just pulling yes. them off with our money. You know, and the yep. same thing in Yemen. You know, it's our Navy ships that are out there with them blockades, blocking the food and water and medicine to those people in Yemen. Yemen, yep. you know, that uh, this, is, this is how awful. And I'll tell you what, those U.S. troops committing this genocide all over the globe are going to rot in hell. 
for doing this, order following or not. I'm sick of hearing this. Oh, them poor troops, they got to join our military, you know, because they need college education, they need health care and all this. I'm done listening to that. These rotten bastards better knock it off. Yeah, we we around have to killing everybody all over the globe for corporate yeah. profits and and expecting us to honor the military. I don't honor the yeah, military. The way to honor Jeez. them is Ugh. to stop pimping them out to kill innocent people in order to make yeah. billionaires richer. I mean, that's disrespecting our troops. And then exactly, and then and then, them home, and they have no health health care, and they're left homeless. It's like okay, right. Right, exactly. It's incredible. And that's that's what the, you know. And anymore, white people thinking to enter the military don't look up and see that they don't get the benefits that they did thirty, forty years ago. No, you know? no, they're they just don't. hired killers, and they don't get any benefits yeah. anyhow when they get out. But I'll tell you, they're going to be hated back home here. I mean, after Vietnam, what pulled off? You know, people turned against the troops. Well, after this, what they've been doing all over the globe, not just in Yemen and. Israel, I mean, in Yemen, in Syria, in um, Iraq, Iraq, Afghanistan, genocide, pure genocide. Oh, God. Yeah, this is, I mean, it just breaks my heart that my tax dollars go for this, and we have no way of stopping it. Yeah. Well, we have to learn from the French, Evelyn. (laughs) Yes, yes. Off with their heads. I honestly, I mean, they... These people need to be prosecuted and properly, you know, disposed of, whatever that may be, in jail or, you know, what it's, they need to be stopped. And we are the only ones who can stop them. Right. And they keep going up against Russia. You know, Putin must have, you know, he must just have the strength of confidence that he don't feed into this. You know, they they keep trying to start wars with Russia, and that'd be a proxy war too that they'll fight over there in in Syria or, or um, down there in the Ukraine. Ukraine, Ukraine, yeah, yeah. And so Americans are going to sit back and let this happen. You know, I'm yeah. telling you, I don't know why Putin don't just blast them right off this earth in Syria. Well, you know, he just showed. Well, the good news is he has shown. That the thing, the, the really important message, actually, you know, with what's going on in Syria is that originally Putin did not deliver those S-300 anti-missile systems um, at the request of Netanyahu. So after Israel launched that attack that killed the 15 Russians, Netanyahu, I mean, uh, Putin was like, Okay, look, you know, obviously you're not a man of your word, and I'm bringing those anti-missile systems in there. And that politically was a much bigger message than even attacking Israel. Like, it, it really neutralized Netanyahu big time in a way that I think the rest of the world does not yet appreciate. And it also sent a signal and now we've seen with the use of these systems just the other day after Israel attempted to launch another attack on Syria that, um, you know, Putin, like the good parent of a, um, a difficult teenager, is being very firm and steady in his, you know, in what he's willing to tolerate. And so that's what's going to win the war here because... 
as he, and then now he's reaching out, Putin is reaching out to Saudi Arabia, because I think he sees Saudi Arabia grasping at straws here because the U.S. can't can't keep it afloat for much longer. The petrodollar is going under. We see that Saudi Arabia's entire existence is founded upon um, this dying petrodollar. And Israel is their only ally there. Like what? And Israel is going down, too. So I think Putin is trying to bring around Saudi Arabia to recognize that Israel is not its ally. In fact, Israel intends to balkanize Saudi Arabia just as it has done Iraq and Syria and wants to do to Iran. And um, and that I, I hopefully MBS is smart enough to see that his only hope for survival is by allying himself and and making some serious changes uh, by going with Russia and China, working with them as opposed to the U.S. and Israel, which will no doubt throw them under the bus like they do every single one of their other allies. Great. Uh, well, on a, on a, well, on a side note here, didn't... Um didn't Senator Rand Paul um, seek to block our, our money going to um, Israel? Israel, yes. That's thank you, Evelyn, for bringing that up. He he on Friday, um, I believe it was uh, announced that he would he he would attempt to filibuster this thirty eight billion dollar aid package to Israel just for military, and you know we are fun again. Israel could not carry out its terror campaign on Palestinians were it not for all of this U.S. aid. Israel is an official apartheid state. We boycotted South Africa for that, and we certainly did not send them billions every year in American tax dollars so that they could brutalize the indigenous South Africans. And, you know, the idea that, again, our own... That oh, didn't we do that? Homeless and didn't we do that on care. purpose? <laughs> yeah. I know. I mean, uh, uh, I mean, just, Israel just does what I think we order them to. We give them the money, and they carry it all out. Yeah, I, I don't know which who's call, which city is calling the shots. It seems like they all come out of Tel Aviv, and they're coming from billionaires. You know what I mean? It's not even people in the government themselves. It's these billionaires who are calling the shots and telling us where we're going to invade next and, you know, all that kind of thing. So... Um, but our, the, the U.S. hegemony is qu- quickly coming to an end, not just militarily, but as I mentioned, this, you know, the, the Russia and China are developing gold-backed currencies. They're already conducting a significant amount of their trade with each other and their allies in local currencies or the yuan. Um, and they've got this new clearinghouse system that the U.S. has used as a terrorist weapon as well. It's called SWIFT, where they stole, for example, $250 billion in cash from Libya in the days leading up to our invasion by shutting them off of this money they had invested in the U.S. through the SWIFT system. And the U.S. had a monopoly for many, many years. So anyone who was doing currency swaps or, you know, trading abroad had to go through the system and the U.S. could use it as a weapon, which they did in Libya. Well, Russia, right. you know, again, being the patient, diligent workers that they are, built an alternative to this. And now, in fact, 
um, it's overtaken SWIFT in terms of the amount of transactions that it processes because all these other nations like Venezuela, Nicaragua, Cuba, Iran, you know, everybody else wants to find a way to get around the U.S. And in fact, those European nations who trade with Iran who, who cannot abide those sanctions are looking for a, um, a they need a platform off of which to trade with Iran that's outside the U.S. platform. And this alternative Russia has built is just such an opportunity. So it's the U.S. is isolating itself, you know, faster than anyone else could have done it to us, you know. But we've backed ourselves into a, a corner completely. And it's it's backfiring incredibly. Right. But, but which countries are going against um, going against our sanctions? Against um, other Germany, France, the Great Britain. Um, what are the other ones? I think Hungary. They're, they're really? the G five. Oh, so what happens then when the, when that happens? When the U.S. can well just blackmail these sanctions? Either do what yes. we tell you to do or give up what we tell you to do or we're going to starve your people, keep your medicine and yeah. everything from you. I mean, because we can look at this. When we look back at Iraq, you know, with that Madeleine Albright saying even the sanctions for 10 years, supposedly the sanctions on Iraq were responsible for killing 500,000 children under five years old. Yeah. Sanctions. So this is how it affects the people. And she and she was asked, did she think that was worth it? And she said, well, they thought it over and they, they decided, yeah, that was worth it. Yeah. Yeah. We'll kill five hundred thousand little children under five years old with these sanctions. That's just talking about the little children. Who knows how many others died were killed right. because of our sanctions? Right. So right. And, and the thing we're is, the ones we're the good guys, right, Evelyn? <laughs> yeah. Right. Oh. You know damn well I would be out of this country if I could afford it. I am so ashamed of living in this country and watching them commit genocide all over the world, and nothing we do can stop them. I am so ashamed. We just got to keep American. calling it out. Yeah, we just oh. got to keep calling it out. Yeah. So and so all this, all this other stuff ties in together too. Supposedly, Epstein says supposedly Jeffrey Epstein's operations are funded by Israel. Yeah. No, no yeah. one can identify. No one. He has never explained how he became a billionaire. This was a guy who grew up in a very working class family in New York. He had, he was, he he has no special training. Like the guy, his story makes no sense. And like Hugh Hefner, uh, we, right. you know, he was very much set up for this purpose. And a great analogy for this that we know was used is the Nexium case where in the police statement, they, they say that this sex cult that the Bronfman sisters, the billionaire Bronfman sisters started was a human compromise operation. And so we, and they know, we know it as of these police records that it was used to blackmail government officials, like in courts and things like that. So, this is something we know occurs and we know is done by billionaires in order to protect their own interests. So it is, you know, 
the idea that Je- that's what Jeffrey Epstein is doing is very well corroborated by the evidence that's already out there. And, and then you point to the police records themselves. And, you know, the guy never actually spent a day in jail, Evelyn. He was on. I know. It. He never he had a special cell that he spent maybe overnight in a few times. But he had his own security. It was not part of the regular jail. And he went about his life as normal. In fact, in the police records, they talk about the fact that the guy had 12-year-old girls, two 12-year-old girls delivered to him for sex during these proceedings. Yeah, that was three. That was three for for his birthday. Three 12-year-old underage um, girls from overseas. Yeah, three of them. Well, he supposedly would go through three a day at the least. And one guy I was reading this morning said that uh, as many as eight times a day. So what a perfect this guy was. Yeah. Well, and, and you also point out when he was initially charged, it was for multiple counts of <laughs> child sex trafficking. Those are very yeah. serious charges. Then it, what winds up happening is he gets this ridiculous one-year sentence that involves no actual jail time, and it's for... Uh, a single count of soliciting a minor. So he's, he was never held accountable at all. And then it just so happens to turn out that the guy is an FBI informant. And how many times do we discover that these criminals, these serial criminals who continue to get off with light or no sentences are attached to one of our government agencies as informants? It's over and over and over again. Well, yeah, and supposedly his his airplanes were CIA-owned. Yeah, there there is no explanation for how Jeffrey Epstein came to have that kind of money, except that he was such... There's another example I can give you. George H.W. Bush just passed away. Oh, yeah. When he was with the CIA, he worked with Adnan Khashoggi. This is a relative of the recently butchered Jamal Khashoggi. Well, yeah, that they label as a, they label as a journalist, but he wasn't. He was an I mean, he was a, a Saudi spy that just set up journalist uh, uh, networks and radio stations, stuff all over the world. Yep, he was. Um, no uh, Alwaleed was funded him. Prince Alwaleed funded Khashoggi, Jamal Khashoggi. So yeah. um, Adnan Khashoggi <clears throat> was the CIA's operative at a company called Gold Barrick, which was a a front company to steal gold out of Canada. And Adnan Khashoggi had this yacht that had an operating theater and a morgue on it. And this was used the same way, you know, Jeffrey Epstein uses his pedophile island was to bring people on, compromise them, record them, and then blackmail them in order to get deals done that the CIA wanted to get done on behalf of the the bankers who were behind all of this. Right. Well, my God, I'll tell you the names in his little black book encompasses the whole world. The yeah, Linda Rothschild is on his book. plane. Like, it, you know, for someone... The thing, too, people are like, oh, big deal. She was on his plane. It's like, you know, if I were really high profile and I had pride in my reputation and the work I had done, 
I would not be associating with convicted pedophiles. I would not be associating with people <laughs> who are accused of those kinds of crimes. You know, right. maybe, no, it's just like, you know, where's the judgment there? Exactly. So so what is, what is the Clinton Foundation anyhow? Is that part of this international trafficking ring? Well, in those documents, the police documents and court records for Jeffrey Epstein's case, he claims to have been one of the people who spearheaded the the uh, establishment of the Clinton Foundation. Right. And yeah. that would make sense because it would be how you'd launder all that money for, you know, the trafficking of the children and drugs and everything else that they did. Um, right. Uh, uh, without so they wouldn't get caught and and that's you know we see the clinton foundation's um donations have dropped off by like 90 percent. it's like well right. if they were doing so much good around the world why all of a sudden are people not giving them money well that just tells you that the pay to play schemes are done you know i mean exactly. hillary's been fighting trump and got everybody else fighting them trying to get him out of office here for two years well think of all the people that in all the countries they poured money into that Clinton Foundation for pay-to-play deals that are now done. Yeah, exactly. You know, they counted on her winning. The billions of dollars probably poured in there and for pay-to-play deals, and now they're over. So a lot yeah, of people, Charles I would think, Ortel. would want their money back. <laughs> yeah. Pardon? Uh, Charles Ortel, the financial analyst who exposed um, fraud at General Electric, estimates the Clinton Foundation fraud to exceed $1 trillion. Oh, my God. Oh, my yeah. God. Yeah. Oh. So, so that's kind of breaking but, open here, too, this week. And so, but then, oh, conveniently, oh, man, Bush croaks. Right, right. You know, right in the well, middle with but, everything supposed to happen this week. Ugh. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's been good because, again, people are like, you know, where the the mainstream media hopes to get an opportunity of a week of, you know, a homage paid to a former president. All it's doing is exposing his ties to the JFK assassination and all that. So, child right, sex eh? trafficking. Yeah, yeah that, that first day, you know, all the headlines were that, and I didn't read any of them, you know, because I know what they're going to say about them. But they were matched by the headlines of his horrible deeds all over the world. Yep. Oh, so that's yep. good. That's good. So, it but, is. Uh, it is. And meanwhile, I think that, I uh, I... go ahead. I was going to say, I don't know if you, speaking of the Clintons, just a, a little one other note was that, um, you know, they've launched this speaking tour where they're charging <laughs> money for tickets. These are people that were, are worth over $100 million charging money for other people to listen to them talk. But the this tour they booked a fifteen thousand seat theater for um a recent stop and they sold only I think like fifteen hundred tickets. It was mostly yeah. empty. So yeah. um they're they're really fading fast and it's good to see the public is not going along with the nonsense anymore. Well, yeah, and, and, you know, the Clintons are involved with this Epstein thing up to their neck. Yeah. You know, I mean, that, that plane that he would fly around, that, that was just a pedophile plane in the air. You know, it had beds in it where they could have underage sex with all the girls. And there were some boys involved, too, I guess. Um, you know, up in the air. And all the people that flew on that plane, I mean, Clinton flew on that plane 26 times and Hillary flew on it six times. 
going down to that's Tampa only in Island a two-year period, though. That's just yeah, 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 a right. two-year period. Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and you like, see all you know, these people again, that flew like, on that plane. How often do you like in two years? That's twenty-six times. That's at least once a month, right? Like, yeah, how many right. of your friends do you go on vacation with every month for two years? Right. Yeah. And then I get so mad. They put out that Alan Dershowitz all the time, you know, as a pundit on mainstream media. He's one of the main pedophiles in this whole scandal. You know, Virginia yeah. Roberts, well, she has a different married name. Now, she said that Epstein made her sleep with, with uh, Dershowitz six times. So yeah. that filthy pig. And now the mainstream media keeps putting him out there as a pundit. And every time I see a story, like on Fox News or something, I'm looking on, on uh, YouTube. And I'll put comments below that I can't believe that you are still putting out this known pedophile as a pundit on TV. Yeah, it, it really <sighs> is helpful to make those posts, like to, to keep the public's awareness um, alive of that kind of thing. Because he denied all those accusations, but she, she, she was smeared and targeted in a, in a very sick and cruel way. And if he really wanted the truth to get out... He would have allowed the process to take place. And so um, it's, it's really about time these guys get called out. And one of the things that they really depend upon is this public veneer of respectability. And as we punch through that systematically, they can no longer, it, it no longer provides the protection that they need. And um, it's only at that point that we'll be able to hold these guys accountable. So... Uh, it really is right. important you know, to keep pointing that out. And, and it's terrible that they go around, you know, and they make these victims, you know, make them out as tramps and sluts and all this kind oh, of stuff. Oh, I know. And, and, even in the, and even in the agreements, call them prostitutes and stuff. And like somebody said, a 14-year-old girl is not a prostitute. That's what no. the laws are for. Exactly. You know, to protect these underage girls. But labeling them, you know, and, and, and it was Dershowitz that went out and, and composed dossiers on a few of these girls and put it in there. You know, they went on their, I don't know, he went on their Facebook and went on Insta chat and stuff like this. Yeah. And caught sight of them that are drinking or using alcohol or drugs or something. And then put this in there, you know, to try to, you know, to, to slam these victims. You know, well, they wouldn't yep. even be ending up this way if it wasn't for them taking them into this child trafficking network. Exactly. These girls. Exactly. You know, yeah. I mean, um, the Miami Herald put out uh, excellent articles uh, over the weekend, or maybe it was Friday. But they, they tracked down um, girls, and, and they talked and told about what happened to them. And some of these girls are dead now because, you know, they get into drugs and stuff. They can't deal with this when it sinks in, what they've been doing right. with this monster, yeah. you know. And uh, so, but instead, they sit there and they just slam the girls and make make the victims look like they're no good, you know. It's sick, and it it's really sick. makes me mad. This deal about this Grizzly Mas Maxwell because uh, now she's a her dad was a spy, wasn't he from Israel? Yes, this Grizzly yes. Maxwell, and uh, so she would she would recruit these girls, and then she would and she would uh, participate with them in the in the sex acts and stuff. So I'd, for Epstein to watch, so the pervert would watch you know so all these other people who they they identify as co-conspirators and all this that they gave you know that clear of any crimes this is outrageous i mean this network yeah. they set up was just outrageous and, and all across the globe it's true it really is a global crisis and uh, you know we, oh. we've seen 
judges, you know, being run out of town in Lithuania, yes. in Germany, the Netherlands, um, I, I just everywhere, the UK, everywhere. It, it's, it is an absolute crisis. And again, even with all this disclosure now on Jeffrey Epstein, you know, chances are nothing will come of it. It'll be just like the Catholic Church. They'll tell us all their sins, and then they'll expect to be able to just move on. And, you know... Yeah, well, that ain't doing what they're either. doing. I know it is so, just like it is just like it. Yeah, one one journalist wrote that that that's just what they do, you know. Then cover it all up, but it's not going to work with the Catholic Church either. We're on to them, and they're done. You know, and yeah, uh, it's only a matter of time. Good news, I, I, I sincerely yeah. believe that. Good news on that. Um, I think it was in um, Saginaw, Michigan. I've seen a report that um, that Catholic participation has dropped off over fifty uh, percent since two thousand thirteen. And and now wow. it was just recently that uh, sheriffs just went and raided a diocese. I can't even pronounce these words with the Catholic <laughs> Church. Um, just last week, another raid. You know, and they're doing oh, this wow. all over the country. And they're and they're doing and they're setting up racketeering trials against the Catholic churches. And that's what needs to happen. You know, exactly. they're getting out of this all the time. You know, sitting back and like you say, they say, well, well, now we exposed them all. You know, and everything we did good now, so now we'll move on. No, no, no. You're not moving on. This is ending. Yeah. Yeah. And it, hopefully this one, coming up is, with... Uh, pardon? I was just going to say, you know, you they're being charged with racketeering, and that's exactly what it is. We saw with the case in Pennsylvania where these priests yeah. were filming their rapes of these children and then distributing the pornography. They were filmed on church property and distributed yes. through church resources that makes the church an organized crime operation and it absolutely, absolutely should be seized and was that the, was that the gang that was uh using um satanic torture and stuff of their victims too on the kids yep with the same group the police said they used whips yeah. yep yeah and then they make pornography films and sell them yep these are 300 priests who were involved in that. Yeah. Incredible. And, I, and no I one insist. is going to jail. Yeah. Yeah. That we have got to get it out there. That it, now all these predator priests are identified by name. We have got to put them on the National Register of Sex Abusers, just like any other sex abuser in this country. People like here in Green Bay, you can bring up a map on Google that will show you where every um, sex abuser is lives in this in this um town yeah we really and that's what we need your head does uh that would we be awesome. need to warn the people and that's the least yeah, we can do and again evelyn you know they these people they they rely on the veneer of respectability and these priests just go from one parish to the next Nobody's any the wiser, and they keep wearing their, you know, religious garb as though nothing is wrong. And they need to be called out, and that is, a, that is such an excellent way to shine the spotlight on them and, and use our power as citizens to prevent these guys from slinking away into the dark corners to continue behaving the way they do. I think it's a common sense thing to do. I mean, every sexual predator in here that gets identified has to be listed on them. Why should priests or ministers, anybody else, be any different? It shouldn't. 
you're absolutely right. That, um, no. I mean, that's a handy thing to have when you know that, that you can go up. And and then and they shouldn't be allowed around schools or playgrounds or anything either, like all the other sex predators aren't allowed around. Right. So we can just You're hold up those right. Catholic churches. and Yeah. And so um, you had that interview with Kevin. Does does he think, what does he think is the next move here that's going to come about to take down that Vatican? For, from what he was saying, um his belief is that it's going to be through these community actions on the very local level that the real change occurs, where you get people, like you described, those um, congregations falling off to nothing. It's going to take people, like, actually refusing to contribute to the church. It's going to take people demanding that their priests and congregations sign these um commitments to uh, to um, prosecute and address these abuses occurring in their local parishes. And because from what he described, like in Chile, for example, you know, the locals went and they burned down 20-something churches. And um, he described yet another community that managed to... Uh, to hold their local priests accountable, but he, he sees that as our, our ticket forward. Okay, well, we'll make it start at it. We'll follow Kevin and take his lead then. Okay, Trish, Sounds time's good. up. Thanks a lot for Thanks, coming Evelyn. on the show. Yep, we'll see you next week, people. Bye-bye. Because I hear screaming on the left, yelling on the right. I'm sitting in the middle trying to live my life. Stop the wall.